Hey everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Open Forum podcast. Today we have with us Michael Yon. Michael is an award-winning combat correspondent, having visited over 90 countries over the last few decades, traveling to multiple conflict zones, reporting on what's truly happening on the ground through the fog of war. As well as that, he's also known as the man who hunted cannibal groups, uh, finding Westerners involved in cannibal groups. And he's been... uh, uh, fairly recently now, 2023, but uh, kicked out of Hong Kong during the protest back in 2020. There's a plethora of things that we can talk about with Michael. I feel very spoiled to have him on. Michael, look, thank you very much for being able to spend an evening with us. And uh, why don't you take a couple of minutes, introduce yourself, and then we're just going to dive on into some of the crazy things that are happening in the world. No, I appreciate it. You know, I grew up in Florida, uh, Florida boy uh, catching alligators and snakes and learning how the birds talk and things like that. You know, it was a great place to grow up, a place called Winter Haven, Florida, right in the middle of Florida. And so and it was actually a strange place to grow up because it was kind of a a, um, a combination of like, you know, I would go hunting alligators with my own gun. That You know, I'd be like 11 and 12. I could just go take my gun, you know, and uh, go get my bicycle and go hunt rabbits or whatever, you know. And uh, or on the converse side of that, we had this great library and it was kind of a wealthy town in another regard uh, because we have the phosphate industry in Polk County, which is a huge industry. Uh, And um, we had and we were the citrus capital of the world. And we had it was not very far from Disney World. So there was all these magnets for money. Meanwhile, I was living a perfectly good Tom Sawyer life out hunting gators and snakes, you know what I mean? But with a great library, and stuff, you know, and we had really interesting people come. So even if you sit still in Florida, you would, I mean, in, in Winter Haven, we would see people traveling from all over the world because they would come there to Cypress Gardens and go on vacation and stuff. And they would always get lost in our town because it's the city of 100 lakes, right? Mm-hmm. Only had a population of maybe 20 or 30,000 at the time. But there's a there, but people get lost all the time because of all the lakes. So like if you know Avenue I goes down to the road and it stops, and they're like, "Uh oh, we're so I didn't find the house I was looking for. It's on the other side of the lake." So so you'd be stopped like so many times. I was always a kid, you know, out riding my bike, whatever. And Yankees and and other foreigners would always be like, "Hey, where's?" So I got to meet a lot of people, you know. And anyway, that's that sounds like a dream of a way to come up to, at least. Yeah. 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 Then I went off to the army and special forces. And and then later on, um, I lived in Poland for a couple of years other than Germany. I lived in Europe in total for six years or plus six years plus at this point. And then, you know, years in Asia and Middle East and that sort of thing all over the world, really. I spent more than half of my life downrange at this point. Um, Outside of the U.S.? 60%. Yeah, probably 60% of my life has been outside of the United States. But inside of the United States, I've been all over that place. I lived and went to school in California and Massachusetts and North Carolina, South Carolina. Got to see it all. At the moment, part of that travel has brought you actually over to the Netherlands. Uh, You're not too far afield away from from myself at the moment. And um, what was it exactly that brought you over this way? Let's, Let's start there and then we can work on to the to the war stuff that's going on in Ukraine and Russia later in the in the talk. If you look at the places that I actually spend significant time, like Hong Kong, where they kicked me out in 2020, you can see it online, you know, where they're uh, kicking me out. <laughs> they kicked me out after seven months. They should have done it after seven minutes. But they, but, you know, I was there watching the fighting and, and watching them beat young people, uh, hundreds and hundreds of young people beaten sometimes. 
compound fractures and CCP was taking over Hong Kong. And so I was actually about to go back to India. And, uh, and then I saw some major protests in Hong Kong. And I thought, this doesn't look like average protests. These look like possible, possible insurgency based on just stuff, you know, not to go into those details. But then I, I canceled my latest trip to India and I flew over to Hong Kong immediately in June of 2019. I was like, oh, this is, these aren't just protests. This is like, this is a real movement. There's a difference between like little protests and everybody's angry and goes back home in an actual building, like an insurgency, right? And so, so I stayed and, um, and then I stayed for about seven months and they finally kicked me out. But the point is, I, you know, you learn a lot of things in every conflict that I go to, whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan or Philippines or a year in Nepal, a lot of that was out with the Maoist and that sort of thing, or fighting in Thailand, which was actually pretty kinetic. A lot of people don't even know about, uh, and, uh, I, you know, you learn, you learn that conflicts are sort of like mammals, like the difference between a mouse and a blue whale, right? You can sit here and go, well, a mouse and a blue whale, that's pretty far different from each other yeah. you know, one yeah. one is this big and one is that one's, big yeah. yeah and they have different diets different habits different lifestyles and you know all life spans and everything uh uh but that's true the conflicts are like that they have those huge differences but they're also very similar they both have nervous systems they both have a heart they both you know what i mean they both have babies more or less in the same way they eat breathe give off waste right and their metabolisms are more or less very similar right as, you know, some uh, expert on that might Basic argue, but that's elements the point. of it are pretty it's, much the it's same. A, yeah. It's the same with conflicts, right? So once you've been to a few conflicts, like if you're a veterinarian, you know, if you just study, you know, horses all your life, but you've never seen another animal, then you know, you suddenly see a rabbit, you'll be wow, this is pretty different. But you know, if you've seen like ten different ones, then you'll be like, oh, okay. I don't know what'll come next, but it'll work basically say it's the same with these conflicts and wars I go to. Right. So everyone is different and everyone is the same. Right. And so here, if you see the ones I actually go to, because there's conflicts all, I'm not like a conflict correspondent that I just go off and, and take photos of people shooting and beating each other. That's, it's not, I'm not going to invest my energies or uh, my risks because you know, there's only so many risks you can take. And I've really, you know, pushed my luck way over the limit and I'm still here. So that's luck. And I realized that. So I'm very judicious in where I spend my time. Hong Kong was very important. CCP was taking Hong Kong and now they've taken it. One of the ways they took it was weaponized migration, bringing in mainland Chinese into Hong Kong year after year, 100 to 150 a day, bringing in these Han Chinese who speak Mandarin and Hong Kong. Of course they speak Cantonese and and they're different i mean they're smaller in hong kong they look different like i can tell them apart instantly right and mm -hmm. and, and but the mainlanders kept coming in and and, and that was part of it was weaponized migration and then all these other mechanisms where you know uh uh politically isolating hong kong and the same as they're doing to taiwan now it goes on and on and on so why was i in hong kong because obviously hong kong is extremely important for many reasons one of which is it's an economic hub, but also it's a shipping hub, right? It's a mat. There's a massive port there, right? The port of Hong Kong. And, and also it's important for naval reasons, right? So 
I spend a lot of time in Panama. I was just down there. That's where I where these beautiful items, right? And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly in places like Mexico or Colombia or something, right? And um, uh, Panama is got the Panama Canal, right? And not so that's one hourglass of the Panama Canal, which is, you know, obviously strategically important. And CCP, Chinese Communist Party, is making a go for that big time. They're, they're slowly getting a hold on Panama, right? As they are with El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras, right? Nicaragua. So, and and so <clears throat> like there's a Confucius Institute in Panama City. I've been to it. And, and not only that, there's, um, uh, I was one of the first ones fighting against Confucius Institutes in 2014. If you look up my name in Confucius Institute, you'll see me going after those in 2014. Most people didn't hear about them for five more years, right? So, I mean, yeah. And so the, the uh, uh, so, there's also a main conduit of uh, weaponized migration coming through from Africa and Asia. And for instance, including China, they go to South America. They'll go to places like Suriname, Brazil, or the Chinese, they go to Ecuador. Then they funnel up through Colombia and then they go through Panama through the Darien Gap. Right. So I spent a lot of time in the Darien Gap watching them come through. And then they go off like at this point, like as of today, I was just talking with somebody there. It's about a thousand people per day, which is, um, you know, it's not a big number actually compared to what's coming across our Southern border, but a thousand a day is a big number, uh, mm. but it's even small. It's even dwarfed by in February alone, we had at least 150,000 come through just over the borders. That does not include the people that came through uh, like landed in Atlanta or La- uh, LAX airport in New York. Right. Yeah. yeah or, 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 or who came in and then were stopped by uh, customs at, actually landing in Miami or something. We're talking about just people that come over the, the, like the Texas border, Arizona, New Mexico, California, or wash up on the beaches of Florida. Right. And some are coming over the Canadian border now. Right. So that was a solid 150,000 just through that, those methods in just one month of February. Right. So the weaponized migration is one aspect. I saw that in Hong Kong. I've seen it in Lithuania. I've seen it here. I mean, it's highly weaponized. It's in the United States, and this has happened in the 30s in Ukraine. Stalin did it with um, with Ukraine, of course, and a lot of more in the 32, 33 uh, famine. Actually, went a little longer than that. But anyway, to, to put bookends on it, it was really rough in 32, 33. But and the, and the whole idea was to kulakization. In other words, to uh, label people as kulaks and then kill the kulaks. And, and take their farmland, right? And yeah. replace them. So this is an old strategy. So when I say these things, it's not me, just my imagination running wild. It's me reading stacks and stacks of books and going to places and living overseas and watching this happen in different countries. And so now why Hong Kong, why Panama and why Netherlands? There's specific reasons I spend so much time in these places and a few others, right? Um, if you look at the Belt and Road Initiative, the huge uh, Chinese infrastructure projects that are being built around the world. You'll see a train that goes from Shanghai and Chengdu and all these other places and goes right across Asia. Right. And it's right. Not far from me here. And it goes right to Rotterdam. Right. And so, so this is, I've been to the bookends Shanghai to here. Right. And a lot in between, this is the other bookend. And so here, the WEF CCP, you got to keep in mind, the World Economic Forum, they call it the WEF here in Netherlands. Yeah. The World Economic Forum, the WEF, is not just cooperating with CCP. I used to think they were just cooperating. Now, the more I've learned about them, I see they're co-sanguinated. They are. You think they're really, working hand in glove? Oh, big time. See, I mean, because it's, it's, it, 
eventually they're going to fight each other. That's clear. This but is right what now, I'm thinking right. for, for, for where I'm standing. I get the impression that the WEF goals and the Chinese goals, the CCP goals, I should say, are heading in the same direction, but they both have different endpoints. And this is why I think that they're working closely together because they all want the same thing, this element of control and whatnot. Um, but at the same time, there seems to be some disagreement. So if you look at, let's say, the main players in the WEF and how they're co cooperating with regards to the Russia-Ukraine situation, China is on the other end looking to broker peace deals. And yet, as we look at Canada, as we look at the Netherlands, as we look at the UK, Germany, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're pushing forward to the point where Boris Johnson is known to have gone over to uh, Ukraine last year in March or April to put a stop to peace talks. And, and if this is how the guys on the WEF side are behaving, but China is looking to create the BRICS partnership and also it looks like it's going ahead of getting rid of the petrodollar with Saudi Arabia. I get gold. the impression that, yeah, gold back. I get the impression that although they may have similar ideals, they're not quite hand in glove just yet. And I know we've kind of sidestepped a little bit for the why you're here in the Netherlands, but I'm sure you'll circle back to that. I mean, it's clear that, like, I think you said it perfectly. They, they're they going parallel at this point. And, and I would say even saying I mean, they're really entwined. I mean, there's the annual meetings in Dallas. There's also annual meetings in China, right? Hmm. So, except they've been doing those online since the pandemic. So, yeah. uh, but, yeah, but I mean, but, the, but they've had, you know, the annual meetings there as well. But they, they let's just call them that, co-sanguination let's call that globalist right mm. and um so but the globalist the ship of globalism has two major captains one is g and let's say the chinese communist party headed by for life g and then the world economic forum and klaus schwab is not the leader he's clearly a meat puppet uh he's you know he's He's often he's the chairman or whatever, but he's clearly not in charge, and uh, uh, he's he's a face, right? And um, so if, anyway, these two they have different endpoints. Eventually, they're going to fight. That much is clear, hmm. right? I mean, and so and both of them know this, of course. They're both sides are quite intelligent, and uh, and, and 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 so, but both sides have an interest, for instance, in taking these farms here where I'm at now. So I'm in. Right now, at Egmondanze, which is on the sea um, in Netherlands, right, and not too far from the Hague, maybe an hour, right. And um, but the the idea here is to take these farms and make tri-state city. I was on with Jordan Peterson the other day. In fact, it just started to air about maybe four hours ago on YouTube. So you can see my interview with Jordan Peterson just went online, and with Ava of Lardingerbroek, actually, yeah. it's us three, and. We talked about tri-state city. Tri-state city is this, tri-state is three states, Belgium, Germany, and Netherlands. So tri-state city is this smart city, quote unquote, that will comprise actually most of Netherlands. You can see the map. If you look on site online, tri-state city. So it's meant to be a smart city, a smart, you know, one of these 15 minute cities. You know, they don't call it a concentration camp because you would not go to it then or you wouldn't cheer for it. But the, the idea of taking this land from the farmers has is multifaceted. One is they want the land to make tri-state city, right? That's why I'm in Netherlands. 
That's why I'm not in some other place like Ukraine right now. Uh, this is even bigger than that. Although Ukraine's quite big, we could end up in a thermonuclear war. But this mm. is all part of the same thing. And um, so Tri-State City, um, is, you look online, you'll see map of it. It's quite huge, right? And they've already started working on it. This isn't theoretical. There's a big website for it and uh, in English and other languages. And, and you'll see uh, that the, the ports of Rotterdam, which is the biggest port in uh, all of Europe, and the second biggest port, Antwerp in Belgium, uh, are the two biggest ports in Europe, are in Tri-State City. And what are they at the end of? The Belt and Road Initiative, the, tri the railway from China all the way to here. So, I mean, this is, it's not a coincidence that this is the, that I'm here or that they are really focusing efforts to take this land from these farmers. Now, another reason to take the land from the farmers is the same reason that um, that uh, that Stalin did and, uh, and like Mao did as well. You want the, the, the farmers will tend to have a really strong uh, connection to the land and history and tradition. For instance, um, the government of Netherlands uh, several years ago, they they've not really outlawed, but let's say forbidden the use of government people for, for using the word Holland. You're not hmm. supposed to say this is Holland anymore, right? This is Netherlands because Holland evokes the nationalism. Yeah. Right. And they don't want you to be. And so like with, with, uh, with uh, Stalin in, in the lot, not just the lot but in other parts of the big fight in the Soviet union, you want to get those farmers off. So they labeled them Kulaks, right? So when you, when you do these labels, whether it's Jew or Kulak or Polish, like where making the Polish people wear the P or the Jews with star of David or the Kulaks, they just like, Hey, these are Kulaks. First you, you make that label very evil, right? It's like demonization. It, yeah. Exactly. Demonize the label because everybody be like, yeah, Kulaks are terrible or whatever. Or in the old days, Jews are terrible or Polish are terrible. And then they just, you know, or, or first, you, you know, you often they'll, they'll make the term quite terrible. And then when they're ready, they'll hang that the same term that you helped make terrible. They're going to hang it around your neck. Right. Mm. Right. And thank you for helping us make this thing terrible. Make And, and now it's hanging on you. So mm. for instance, with the Kulaks in Ukraine, um, uh, Stalin then said, Hey, the reason that your prices are so high, the reason your life is so bad is because of these terrible kulaks, they stole the land from your ancestors. Go take their farms. It's yours. Run them off or kill them. And that farm is yours. And that's what happened. They got rid of them, genocide. And then it was a huge famine, right? Because hmm. the people that took over the farm, you, know, you can't just take over. That's like a month taking over an airplane right uh monkeys and i call it monkeys in the cockpit you get a bunch of monkeys in the cockpit like hey a bunch of chimpanzees killed the crew or ran them out <laughs> they can't fly the airplane it's like say we saw i used to see this with al-qaeda all over iraq when al-qaeda would take you know like bakuba the city of bakuba in diala province they they had effective control over it for a while and the water stopped working the electricity stopped working you know the monkeys could run the the government away but they can't run anything no. Well, I mean, any monkey can come in with an AK and explosives and knives and do stuff, but running a city that takes actually higher level thinking, right? Hmm. It requires people that go to work and come home and have a family and, and, and keep things and stable. do some further planning it, and yeah, the exactly. stability. Yeah, exactly. And so this is what, when, when, when the kulaks were destroyed over in Ukraine, it just ended up in famine, right? And, and it happened with uh, with it, it happened with Pol Pot and Cambodia and China with Mao with the Great Famine, and likewise, you know, these countries in Africa. Let's go kill the white people and starve to death, right? Go to cannibalism. Yeah. Well, just 
because those listening from the Netherlands will have heard a different story. And the story those in the Netherlands will have heard of actually people across the world will have not heard of the removing the farmers and whatnot. But what they will have heard is that the uh, farmers are protesting against nitrogen regulations and it's the nitrogen regulations that are the issue. Um, what What's the truth there? Because at the end of the day, nitrogen okay they're saying that's the really bad greenhouse gas blah 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 this is all about sustainability this is to do with agenda 2030 of the united nations and eu goals of no 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 we need to make everything carbon neutral etc etc and this is a sustainability goal for the environment so that's what's being given to the people on the outside the people that are unaware of what's been happening behind closed doors and You've already mentioned the what you call hop human osmotic pressure of the migration issues and things. But for those listening who are uninitiated, they're stopping already at the barrier. They're saying, hold on a minute, you're talking about the farms going and this is about destroying and causing famine, et cetera, et cetera. We're told this is about nitrogen. Not about nitrogen, or as they call it here in the Netherlands, stickstoff, which is yeah. the same word in Germany, by the way, stickstoff, nitrogen. Um, as you know, roughly 79% of each breath we're taking right now is nitrogen. Nitrogen. That's how that's how poison it is. And so oh, it's not so a greenhouse cool. gas. I mean, so all all these uh plants and things that we eat, rice, you know, it's filled with nitrogen. So I mean, uh nitrogen, we could talk about this for hours. I it's mean, right now, but it's the people are gonna sit here listening and, and have no idea. They're gonna think that that's the thing that's doing it. Oh, it's complete nonsense. It's complete. It's not even worth. If you read the book Rape of the Mind, it's a 1956 book, or sometimes I'll say 19. I've read the book. I've read it very closely. It's it's a it's a great book by a Dutch. Happened to be in the Netherlands, but written by something. That's right, Joost Mirlo, and and he was a medical doctor and a psychoanalyst, right? And he uh, wrote this incredible book on brainwashing, and he'll talk about you know how when you you'll bring up these just nonsense things and get people to argue about them that you're winning. You're getting them to argue about nitrogen. Eh, watch them go. Furbies are arguing nitrogen. No, it's not, no, no, you know, and that's not too much nitrogen. So, you know, so the, you, the thing to do with this is don't even argue about the nonsense. You know what I mean? Like you see all these people arguing about statistics on quote unquote vaccines that aren't even vaccines. Right. <laughs> so they're arguing about all these statistics from where do you even get these statistics? Just stop arguing. It's all nonsense. And this is a case where ad hominem is actually appropriate. You know what I mean? You're like, you know, I know you're not supposed to do ad hominem or race, you know, and, and all these fallacies that you learned about in logic in school. You know, I learned about them when I was, you know, don't slippery slope is a logical fallacy. And I get, you know, as I travel around the world, I'm like, slippery slope's not a logical fallacy that's bullshit mm. it's a fallacy to think slippery slope is a is a fallacy slippery slope happens all the time but we're taught that slippery slope is a fallacy right it's not it's just simply not and um and and ad hominem at times is actually appropriate like who is the one bringing in all this nitrogen idea nitrogen nitrogenous fertilizer it, it's the it's the communist and the authoritarians the wef and the ccp all these various groups that that then combine their forces right i mean it's 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 just an information campaign here let's argue about these glasses cause global warming right well no those glasses don't like three hours later we're talking about the glasses still you know 
Meanwhile, they're just running off with the farm. You know, we're mm -hmm. talking about nitrogen and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, um, so don't even argue about that. It's interesting in Rape of the Mind. If you read the book, it's really an important book to read. Fantastic. Read Rape of the Mind. I read it on your recommendation, yeah. actually. Good yeah. man. Yeah. And if w once you read that and you then you watch the movie 1984 again, most people have probably seen the movie or read the book. The then book. you after you read Rape of the Mind and then you watch 1984 or read it, you're like, uh-huh i see exactly what, you know i think uh when was that 1948 that book was written was um was uh 1984 was written in 1948, 1948. Right? yeah and yeah. so and uh and it just and um but you'll see the techniques like droning on and on about statistics like you'll see the people coming up your what you eat is controlled when you eat is controlled when you exercise is controlled the compelled speech you know wrong think and all these sorts of things right the ritualistic so, nature what, of the repetition exactly. as well yep what you're allowed to say what you're not allowed to say controlling specific words like you know They'll they'll have you arguing for like three weeks whether or not it's actually Gender a vaccine. Me, meanwhile, oh yeah. Okay. Meanwhile, they're like shooting you in the arm. It's like this is when we go at home. It's like don't even hit me with this gender pronoun bullshit. I don't take you seriously. If you're waving these rainbow flags, you know, when I go to all these protests around in uh, Portland or Atlanta or Washington, D.C. Or, or 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 going around in some, and, and I go around Germany or places, not necessarily protests, but every time I see these Ukrainian flags, what do I see next to it? Rainbow. When I'm out in the fighting with Antifa and they're throwing Molotov cocktails at the police and whatnot, they'll have rainbow flags and BLM flags, right? You know what I mean? It's like, the people that are burning down cities are flying what? Rainbow flags, Ukraine flags, rainbow flags, BLM flags. This is brainwashing techniques, right? And, and, and again, if I even say that, people go, oh, he's against gays. Oh, there you go. You know, never said that. Never said it. I'm telling you, when you're when you're waving these things and you're getting all vaxxed up, you know what I mean? And you're taking the death jabs or not vaccines, that you're arguing about these things, you are absolutely losing. And you'll see, for instance, in 1984, a rape of the mind. Or listen. I've studied war for many years. I spent many years in different wars and conflicts. A lot of that was kinetics, endless firefights, bombings, all kinds of things. I did the kinetics, but the higher level of warfare is information warfare. That's your PhD level of warfare. It's information warfare. And that's what's going heavy duty here, for instance, in the Netherlands, or was going on back in Hong Kong, like not allowing the, the Hong Kongers to speak Cantonese, trying to force the children to speak only Mandarin, trying to force them to go ahead, sir. I, coming back to the information war with Hong Kong, I don't know if you came across this, but they have actually in schools eliminated any history of the British occupation and they've changed the textbooks. I've got um, friends who have family still in, in Hong Kong with young children and they're saying, yeah, they're making it look like it never existed. So that information war is literally going to brainwashing the next generation into not even knowing their own history in the same way that um, I, uh, the defector from North Korea, um, Yomi, uh, Yomi Park, yeah. the way that she yeah. mentioned that um, their history, their everything that they were taught is just an absolute lie but they're taught that you know the sung family uh, kim jong-il family rather is everything and that they have created the world etc etc the same thing is now happening in hong kong i don't know if oh, yeah. while you were covering that you came across that 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is absolutely. I mean, what you're saying is the truth. And it was the truth in East Germany when I was there back when it was still East Germany. It was the truth in Poland. I lived in Poland two years. It was still communist, right? So, I mean, it was the truth in all these places. That's how they operate. You know, speaking of North Korean defectors, there was another uh, North Korean uh, defector named Kim Dong Hook. I'm sorry, I don't recall his name. But in about 2016 or so, uh, I saw him on 60 Minutes. And I'm the one who actually caught that he was a fraud. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. And you, if you look up online and look up my name and North Korean fraud, you'll see that uh, every once in a while when something happens, like the attack at one of our bases in Helmut province that took out some Harriers, uh, you know, it was a suicide attack. Every once in a while, an event will happen. And I'll just write when it happens. I'll write, this just happened. I have not researched it. I'm writing this right now to analyze what happened because I want you to see how well I know this subject. So basically I'm bragging about myself, right? So, I, But I'm trying to prove that I know how to shoot that basketball. What I'm getting to this, when it comes to brainwashing, I watched this guy on 60 Minutes, right? And at the end, it was only like 15 minutes that he was on. It was real quick. I immediately published right then. You can see it on Facebook. And I said, a guy I don't believe or something like that, Kim whatever his name is. And basically he was saying a lot of things during the interview. Like um, he knew his birthday. They never know their birthday. And um, uh, I, I've spent too much time in these countries. They never know their birthday. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's like, and, um, it, it, and, uh, he, and he, um, he, he would have known how to read a map guys like that never know how to read a map any more than I can write and read in Mandarin. Hmm. They don't know how to, and you might think everybody watching this probably can read a map, especially if you're older than, I don't know, 30 or so, you should be able to read a map. But I mean, but I mean a paper map and you might take for granted that everybody can do that, but that's another language that you speak that you don't even know you speak it, right? It's a graphic language that you know how to do because you learned it since you were a little kid and you might think that everybody knows how to do it, but guess what? They don't. And uh, most of the world cannot read a map. You put a map in front of them and they're quite confused. But when he talked about some of the things that he did and I was like, this guy is a definite fraud. And also his body language. I was like, "Mm -mm, guys like that never have that body language. So I described all this. Right. And I'm like, for these reasons. And I was writing stuff that could have cost me everything I own in a defamation lawsuit. Hmm. And And I acknowledge this. I'm like, if I'm wrong, and he decides to sue me. And he obviously has big backers because he had like New York Times and all these people that were like this author uh, Behind him. that, that yeah. wrote a best-selling book about him. He's getting like honorary PhD at some university and all this stuff. He's traveling the world. He's a superhero telling his story. And I'm like, he's a fraud, right? And uh, and about two years later or so, he was caught. And he admitted to it. And, uh, and, and you know, I was just like, it was so obvious. And New York Times and Wall Street Journal, all these people were writing all these effusively beautiful stories about him. And it was obvious fraud on its face. And it was like, for me, as a boy who grew up catching snakes and alligators and turtles, I can tell the difference between a snake, a turtle, and an alligator. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And when I'm seeing somebody like that, so what I'm getting to, let's wrap this back to Netherlands. There's a political party here that just won massively in the polls yesterday called the bb better or they call they got signs all over netherlands bb better right so you see it in fox news today and all these news stories around the world people keep flooding me with them hey this is great the dutch farmers are standing up they're 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 going to just before you and i 
went on the air. I was talking with a, a Dutch dairy farmer, a friend of mine, where, and he's he voted for him, right? Hmm. They're called the Boer uh, Bevolk Bewegung, right? Which means the people, the Boer uh, Burger. I'm sorry, I don't speak Dutch. I speak the farmer Dutch, citizenship but, something. Yeah, the Boer Burger Bewegung, or the farm Beweging in Dutch. The, yeah, the farmer citizen um, uh, uh, movement, right? Yeah. BBB, right? So, and all their signs all across Netherlands, I just drove about 800 miles crisscrossing Netherlands talking to farmers before I went on with Jordan Peterson on Sunday or something, Sunday. And, um, and, uh, and I saw these signs everywhere. Be, be better. I mean, what more do you need to know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, when I saw the first sign, I was like, why is a BB better sign in a farmer's field? And I just saw like 20 others in different farmer's fields. Why would farmers allow them to put these? And uh, I was actually with a politician and he goes, Oh, this is this party. And I had already, you know, been looking at them before, but now I saw their actual posters for the for the election were bb better because i just flew in i was just down in panama watching that take over in texas watching the invasion right and i was just down in dominican republic watching the dominicans build a pub a wall with the haitians you know what i mean so i'm seeing these things everywhere and and so i see the bb better thing and i'm like that's that's prima facie of, of fraudulent because they will tell you who they are right if you're listening if you know what to listen for, like this guy that with this body language, uh, the, the Kim Jong, whatever his name was, Don, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, you know, the guy I, I outed him long before anybody else did. He was telling you who he is, right? And so, BB better. What are their, what are their principles that they're going to? First of all, they're admitting that Stickstoff is bad. Okay, that at the best is amazingly stupid. At best, I mean, if you're playing at this level, and if you're a normal person that's not stupid, you don't know how these things go, and because you're you spent your time working on farms and stuff, you don't spend your time studying information more than the way I do, right? Hmm. But for somebody who studies information more at a high level, that would be amazingly stupid to to admit. That would be like you know when a cop knocks on your door and you start just talking with him about everything, you know? What yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. You tell him exactly what you did. I'm guilty of this. Yeah. You would never admit stick stop you would never say we're going to negotiate about it right but that's one of the and another part of their their policy stance is they're going to negotiate about traffic uh, landing at skip hole airport which is the big airport at uh, amsterdam yeah. of course yeah. and you know you know possibly knock the traffic down who knows 50 percent and uh and, and other things like this right so so the bottom line is they come in and they put the farmer outfit on it. I'm a farmer and we're representing farmers. Right. And, and suddenly they've got this massive funding somehow. Right. That should raise a red flag. And they're going to they're going to negotiate. Listen, back to Juice Merlo, Rape of the Minor, 1984. Why would you ever d discuss the details of nitrogen? You should go total ad hominem. Where are you getting the money? We're just focus. Where are you getting the money? Why is your office in the same office as, you know, a pharmaceutical company? Why, why, why? Yeah. I, I mean, just little that. things like this. I mean, wh wh why just go total ad hominem? Ad hominem is not, is not usually so are you saying there's potential that they were bamboozled, bad. right? Long and short of it. Are you saying there's I would potential say the, that um, I would, boring, I would the, uh, beweging, uh, boring burgers and beweging is more of a, um, a front, shall we say? It's a Pied Piper. I mean, it's a it's it's two things at once. It's a Pied Piper, which is leading people away from form for democracy and others. You know, I was just at the hotel I'm at now. They just had a big 
thing here for forum for democracy i was with them watching the election which they lost terribly hmm. and they lost you know they used to have i think 12 seats right now they're down to one right and uh, and a lot of that was internal uh personality things and that sort of thing like i've been privy to a lot of that you know basically personalities went hyperbolic and blew up right so but that doesn't mean you should support bbp right yeah. I, i'm not being political so far on, on the minutiae level other than to say BBB is clearly a Pied Piper to lead people that, and, and, and it's going to lead the children, basically the children farmers, let's say, who are very busy. They're highly intelligent people, but they don't study information work. That's not their thing. They study how to make their farms work and that sort of thing, right? And so BBB has just led people, the, the children of the village, let's say, out into the forest, and they're going to come back as Trojan horse. They are clearly going for the farms. That is so obvious to me. It's actually Jesus. painful to watch. I and it's the no same with that. that. It's the same. It's the same with that uh, Korean guy that was a complete and utter fraud. And, and he admitted to it, by the way. So it's no longer in question whether I'm right or wrong. So I don't have to worry about a, a defamation lawsuit because he admitted uh, a couple of years later um, that he was lying about his escape from, I think it was escape from camp 14 was the name of the book or camp 21 or something. I'll uh, have a look and put it into the details of the podcast. But look, let's let's rewind it back a little bit. We've kind of jumped about, but how is it then that this issue with the farmers then wraps into something like Tri-State City and the whole nitrogen parade? How is it that that's also going to work almost to a 15-minute city kind of situation or with C40? How, how does all of this wrap together, this stealing from uh, the land from the farmers? Uh, that information warfare, right? First of all, they, they, they want the land and control the food. So these things are, um, I mean, both. First of all, they, they want the land. And secondly, they want control of the food as well. They want control of the humans that are left when this is over. And so you have this weaponized migration. This is clearly... Uh, part of a war plan. They're already psychologically preparing Dutch that you may have to take migrants into your house. Like if you're, I mean, there's already a law in the book from World War II. If, if you, you know, you you may have to take people into your homes, right? Which yes, is my wife fine. told me about this. Yeah, I thought she was right. joking when she said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so they're, they're, they haven't ordered anybody to do it. They're just floating it. This is preparation of the battlefield. Huh. Interesting. So, what you're saying there is that this issue of nitrogen this issue of taking the farms is just the first step it's the first step to taking the food essentially taking control of food but why are these people trying to take control of the food what what is the end goal here how can we see control. the woods through the trees because at, at the moment it, it for those again uninitiated this is all quite ethereal for those who are unfamiliar with the wef and what their plans are and the fact that multiple governments are signed up and the fact that Mark Ritter is Klaus Schwab's right-hand man people still don't want to accept that in Dutch parliament it was pointed out that Ritter wrote the foreword in the book and you know all these other nice little communications he's had with Klaus and people outright ignore these things uh, it's right in your face that's the thing about it you know evil presents itself and it tells you who it is like mind comp you know hitler's mm. like hey we're gonna we're gonna this kill what we're gonna do and people you know, thought we're, it's just right he's not really gonna carry that out yeah, yeah. you know he's just a madman rambling maybe but every once in a while one of these madmen actually gets into a position to execute right yeah. and uh and and hitler and so many others have done mao uh, 
Xi at this point who's doing, uh, you know, uh, exterminating Uyghurs, uh, Tibetans. I've been to, to Tibet and you can see they're doing the same sort of thing they did in Hong Kong. They're lining up Taiwan to do the same thing. Netherlands, the same thing. Uh, but a lot of people don't want to see it either. They don't want to see it because if you see it, you're like, I have to do something, you know, I, it, it, it doesn't exist if I don't see it, you know? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. because to do something can obviously when everything is still going nicely, relatively, you don't want to disrupt your entire life. Like the, the, the like, look at the French. If I used to think that the every time you go to France, you know, I go there, I, I, all I got to do is stop in the airport and they'll be having a protest in the airport about something. I don't even know. I don't speak French or yelling in yeah. French and, you know, and I'll be like, what are you protesting about? <laughs> okay, whatever. So, you know, and, and, but I used to think, you know, why are they always doing this? You know, they're always protecting these little farms. And I thought it was a little overwrought, but you know, now I see their wisdom. Right. Hmm. And, and I talked with some Dutch farmers about this. They're like, we need to be more like the French. And I'm like, you know what? They're kind of a pain, but I agree. You know what I mean? Because the, 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 the French government is basically terrified of their farmers. You know, hmm. it's not that the farmers do murder or anything like that. They're not blowing stuff up, but if you mess with the farmers, they'll like block all the streets, all the, they'll be blocking the trains. They'll be spewing cow shit all over the government offices and the police will be covered with it. You know, they'll do, they'll go hog wild, man. They go planet of the apes and they'll affect the elections. Right. And so, and so nobody wants to like poke Piss the farmers too much. Yeah. And so as a result, you go to these little villages in France and you get some really good food at a good, nice price. Yeah, it's local food. And it seems uh, very healthy. It feels that way, you know, when you're there and I'm like, you know, these French, they can be a pain. But they ain't wrong, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're doing yeah, things the right all, way. In I, essence, I, I, I have to apologize. Own. I have to apologize for just some of it's just thoughts that I had about them. But other times I would say it like they're going over the top. But no, they weren't. They were actually right, and that's what the Dutch needs to be. And you'll you'll hear some of the, like some of the Dutch last night or every day just about when I'm out with them. They're like, we don't stand up the way the French do. No. You know, and, and, and I keep telling, you know, I'm in Texas a lot, you know, uh, uh, I'm in, I'm in there in Texas quite a lot. And, you know, the Texans are always like so proud and, and blah, blah, blah. We had the Alamo and I'm like, listen, your border is wide open, right? Yeah. Your border is my border. I'm American. Texas border is, you're not the, I know you're the Republic of Texas and all this bullshit, but guess what? Your border is wide open. You got the big old cowboy hat, but why aren't you closing the border? right? Get, get on your damn horses and go down there and close the border, but get in your, you know, I'll go with you, right? I'm always on that border. I'm down on the Mexican side. I'm on the Panama side. I'm in Colombia. I'm on Texas, Arizona, New Mexico. I'm watching that. I'm down there midnight, two in the morning, watching this stuff go on alone often. And where's, where's all the Texans? You know, seriously, they're like the Dutch farmers, you know, talk shit. Now it's time to do something, right? Because the government's clearly not. And, and, and your political parties are clearly selling you out. Right. And, but you can stop this. You know, you can go to you can take your little tractors, which are big tractors. If you're together and you can block Rotterdam Harbor, you know what I mean? You can block these highways. What's this got to do with the reason for them to control the food? What, what's this got to do with that? Once they control the food, they control us. You know, they're going to the central bank, you know, you know digital monies. Right. Yeah. CBDC, Everything, central bank, digital currencies. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Everything that we, yeah, exactly. Everything that we're, you know, 
all these different control mechanisms are coming into place. AI is just getting more and more powerful, like such a all these words that we're speaking now, right now, the body language that we're emitting now will be it's all being trapped, right? Everything, right? And they'll be able to analyze all this and split seconds later and probably label me a terrorist or something for just the things I've said now. And you know, and you can go on trial online. A computer can put you on trial, right? Here's the sentence you spoke. Did you not speak the sentence? That's against the terrorism rules. And it can be post hoc, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be, you know, uh, I mean, it can be like something you said 10 years ago, right? Well, they uh, made it, uh, people who were uh, um, standing up in school board meetings. They called them terrorists in the US not too long ago. Uh, it was an FBI uh, piece on like uh, mums and dads who are saying that they don't want X, Y, and Z in a school board meeting. They're terrorists. So well, look, yes, at, look at absolutely. our faces now. They can say, you know, the, the computers are trapping everything that we're saying and our hand movements and our, our voice intonations, our word selection, uh, the all the complex muscles in our faces and our eyes and our blink rate and all these things. And the computers will be able to go through this I've wondered about this for years. It's just a matter of time until computers, the AI is there to analyze old films and to see who was lying. You know what I mean? Mm. Because there's a lot of language being spoken on our faces. Sometimes it's easy to read. Like there's some emotions that are very easy to read. The basic seven, right? Sadness, happiness, anger, disgust, surprise, right? You can, those surprise is the same in every culture, right? Whether it's somebody that, yeah, like you look surprised. Yeah, well, like, so like <laughs> <laughs> you know, joy, actually, and, and anger, fear, happiness, disgust, you know, all these are the same in every culture, actually, like whether it's uh, uh, somebody living uh, near Mount Everest or the tip of Tierra del Fuego or whatever, it's the same. Now, what makes you disgusted may be different, but the actual facial uh, body language from your face is the same, right? Or fear, you know what I mean? It's the same. Uh, anger, disgust, happiness. It, they're a surprise, you know, that's interesting, isn't it? It's the it's basic seven anyway. Um, but obviously the computers can, the AI can read this stuff. Imagine being able to go back to films that are like, I don't know, 80 years old and somebody saying, you know, who did what, or let's go back to the early sixties who shot John, you know, Kennedy, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, um, um, you know, and you know, you'll it see somebody talking. arrested. I'll tell you that. Yeah, exactly. But imagine we'll be able to look at them and the computer's like, He's lying like yeah. me with, 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 with uh, the North Korean, right? Yeah. I'm not an expert on body language or anything, but every once in a while he's working in my world. Now he's talking about all these skills that he has and the way he's doing his body language. I'm like, that guy is a fraud for mm. sure. And I actually went right out on, on a limb that was risking everything I have. And I just went, and he turned out to be a fraud. Imagine when computers can do that to billions of old hours of video. And still, you know, and, and, and analyze that and put you on trial for all these things that you've said and written for all the, all your emails, all your texts, all the little videos that you made on Snapchat or whatever these things are, Instagram. Yeah. We're there. We are literally there. All yeah. the mechanisms are already in place. We're about to cross the Rubicon. That's for sure. Cause I think, you know, you can be put on trial by a computer. Yeah, the introduction of CBDC is is not too far away at this point with the global economic collapse as it stands. What, five banks now have, have fallen in the last week, 
week and a half. I'm reading a I'm reading a book now. I've read more than 60 books on pandemic, right? More than five dozen. I'd read about 40 before this pandemic started, and then about 20 during the uh 2020 and 21, right? I'm reading another one now very slowly because I'm so busy with these guys, but um and it's on the um the leper colony in Molokai, Hawaii, right? So it was a famous leper colony that started in about uh, 1866, right after the U.S. Civil War. And it's interesting because you'll see if you got on the list, if somebody said, oh, he's got spots on his arm, right? And you get on the list, you, somehow your name gets on the list, then the sheriff comes looking for you and you end up in Molokai. You know what I mean? You're yeah. on a ship and you're out with the lepers. You might get leprosy now, right? It was just interesting because we're talking 1866, 67, 68, and, and it goes on. The leper colony kept going for a long time. And if you got put into that system and they talk about it and, and they go into this in the book in detail, like, Hey, this one guy got put in the leper colony. And then it turns out it was just, you know, somebody didn't like him, got him on the list somehow, or, you know, somebody saw you with spots, but it was really from something else. It's, it's the same thing as the same every, witch trials. It ended it, up being a case of exactly. people just grassing people up. They didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but now you're in the system, right now, imagine a system where it's just a computer that says, well, look at what he said. 12 years ago or wrote or you know with the ai psychologist here well we should cut off his money and it's just a computer that does it so your money's cut and there's a warrant issued for your arrest oh you're in your tesla car drive to the police station go underground lock behind you it's like you know you know get put into a cell it literally can happen like that this isn't that sci-fi at all i mean they've already got the ability to repossess your car or turn your air conditioner off or you know, turn your radio off, make your windows down all the time. I mean, they can take control of your car right now. That's if you put, if you plug your phone into your car, I'm going to tell you something almost nobody knows. You plug your phone into your car, it'll everything on your phone is accessible. If you're talking on your phone, if you're chatting on your phone, if the police have a warrant or if they just want to get into it, everything on your phone goes right through your car. Almost nobody seems to know that. All right. All the de- this is like the NSA in your pocket. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's scary to see the minutia of detail that they can get from your phone as well. To every single tap on the screen as well, they they can get that data if they need it. They can see exactly how you use it, how you abused it. But then, and some some apps they can tell like a. Uh, how old you are, how fast do you type on the thing? Yeah. You know, what size font do you use? What uh, you know, how do you carry it? Is it in your pocket? Is it in the pocketbook? They can tell if you're gay or not by the way you tap the phone. They can tell a lot about your race. They can there's a lot they can tell just by the the motions of your phone and these sorts of things when you pick it up, when you lay it down. One of the interesting things that I was listening to recently is AI has gotten so smart it can pick up on um tells that we don't even know we have. So let's say, for example, uh, the AI will recognize that when someone posts X type of post on Instagram or Facebook, etc., then within 17 minutes, they'll be leaving the house or they'll be going to the toilet. It, it has that level of detail on you. It knows you better than you even know yourself. But then... Oh, yeah. You've heard the stories about suddenly the... I'm sorry, interrupt. Go, go, go. Like the woman... Uh, you know, starting to get, uh, I don't know if it's urban legend, but suddenly starting to get uh, something in the mail or something about, you know, being pregnant or whatever. And she doesn't even know she's pregnant, but you know, her father notices suddenly things yeah. like, I don't know if that's urban legend, but it's, it goes, it's to your point that these things do know a lot about us or 
like when I was in the wars, we know when phones are co-located, right? So let's say this is a hot phone and this is not, but you went to that guy's house, you know, and we know every, that they can tell what exact room I'm in right now. Right. Yep. They can tell exactly where I'm at. So if you're targeting me, right. And not, it's not just the NSA, all these different apps, flashlight app actually is one of them. There's thousands, tens of thousands of apps actually that have your geolocation down to a T. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can, you don't have to be the NSA or the MSS or, China or your KGB or anything. All you have to do is be somebody with money that wants to buy it. And it's all available. You can, if you want to like track your wife or husband or something and you got the money, go buy it. Legally as well. None of this is on the dark web. You can illegal. get information brokers on the normal internet. You don't have to download a tour browser or anything. It's insane. It's like buying corn. Yep. It's like buying corn. You want it's to buy probably some corn, cheaper at this point. Like corn Here's is probably corn. going up in price because of the farmer <laughs> yeah. situations. So it's cheaper. Yeah, and so, so, so that's one of the ways that we we would uh, kill enemies in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like you you know, they would take their phone to where they're hiding weapons or something. Or it's how they or, located bin Laden, you know, right? The back yeah, tracking. To, when I spoke to John Kiriaku, yeah. they were talking about tracking people's phone calls, and there were 17 sites that that's how they tracked and found. Oh, sorry, not bin Laden. Um, uh, Al Baghdadi, or no? Oh, God. I can't remember the fella's name. Um, the one who was tortured and the, the torture case that was then whistleblown from John Kiriakou. Oh, uh, down in uh, Guantanamo, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, now yeah, down I... in Guantanamo still. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. Zahabi. Zahabi, maybe? Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, I'm sorry, I've forgotten his name. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. He was like kept awake and you know, and all sorts yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the torture case that ended up getting John sent to, to prison for whistleblowing on the torture case, you know, but or, or, or our idiotic CIA went to Italy, I think it was Rome. Uh, and uh, and you know, and they all checked into the same hotel, right? Yeah, and or this is like the Strava app that then gave away the locations of secret bases in Afghanistan because uh, yeah. runners were using the Strava app, mapping their runs and uploading it. And by the heat map of how where people yeah, like, were, they were giving away their location. But it's like, it, it, like what, what world did they come from that using DJI drones at secret bases is okay? You know what I mean? Seriously, do you have to be told that this is not to be done? You know what the I mean? Elite level of the military. Like, military if you're point, over right? like 16 years old, you shouldn't have to be told not to do this. You know what I mean? But then, <clears throat> so they get the farms. They take control of your food. They're attempting to take control of the money with the collapse that's happening with the introduction of CBDCs. They're going to create this tri-state city. What's the overall goal? And how does that then rope into creating a war in the east of Europe? Keep in mind, it's not as if they're going to have a perfect plan that everybody agrees on or they just have control of all the the, the levers and the whistles and all that of the universe. They don't, right? There's a lot of so, things to spin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a perfect way to put it. And 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 different people are spinning different plates and they're like, hey, don't do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're you're killing my shipping company or whatever, you know. Uh, you know, and so I mean, so there's gonna be the internal friction that always happens, right? Uh you know, and so it happens on that scale as well. You know, it's it's funny because life seems to be sort of fractal, you know. Everything that happens on a small scale 
happens on a big scale. And I think by the same mathematics, it just has different zeros, you know, different mm. number of zeros, you know, whether it's a tiny avalanche or a, you know, Mount Everest size avalanche. And it's the same with the, you know, the, the human dynamics, right? Like uh, for instance, I see, we all have seen human psychopaths that fight that one person. Right. But there's also co- entire countries that operates like a psychopath, like, you know, like because of the, the leadership, yeah. China, it's clearly in Germany occasionally just goes completely psycho, right? Austria <laughs> you know? during the lockdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even Kiwi Land, even you know the place where everybody's like, I'm going to go to Kiwi Land down in New Zealand where everything's great and you know the rainbows and all this stuff. And next thing you know, it's gone total crazy over the was. top. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, it's not back to the point of Ukraine and these sorts of things. If I were to start a war that would impinge on the global food supply, that would certainly be it or one of them. I mean, that's a big one. Others would be cutting Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. Oh, <laughs> you know, Nord wow. Stream... That, yeah. Funnily, that, that kind of happened by the US for all intents and purposes. If Germany, if, uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine again then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2 we we will bring an end to it what what how will you how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control we will uh, i promise you we'll be able to do it Thank you. You should see that my what I was talking about all last year. Nord Stream Two was pressurized, but not actually flowing because of. But the um, and now we're blaming what Ukraine for doing it, whatever. And so and, I, mean, I remember it, Joe Biden standing on stage saying, "If they do it, then there's going to be hell to pay, and they're going to make sure that Russia you know, learns about it." Yeah, and then he, within a week or two, Nord Stream Two, and funnily enough, the day before that happened, Norway tested their pipeline. Yeah, that's Strange, right. Man. And they opened they opened it to Poland. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. and then right afterwards, Poland's having the ribbon cutting or whatever. And Poland is like, hey, you know, thank you, the United States. You know, as the sea is bubbling. Interestingly, um, <laughs> long before that happened, if you look at my old, if you just look up my name and Nord Stream or my name, Michael Yon and BASF, right? Yep. BASF is a big, huge, it's the biggest chemical company in the world. It's in the main the biggest plant is in Ludwigshof in Germany, but they have plants all over the place, right? And so I, I visited there twice last year. If I had time, I'd go there uh, you know, tomorrow probably, but I have to go to Japan or something. But but the um, uh, the uh, BASF creates a lot of the nitrogenous fertilizers, nitrogen-based fertilizers, right? Let, let me give a little history lesson if we have time, because this is important yeah. to understand more of the nitrogen thing and how we're going setting conditions for famine that I've been warning about. So all last year I was warning about BASF. If BAS saying if BASF closes, that's Europe having a heart attack, right? Hmm. And just about maybe 10 days ago or so, BASF announced cutting another 2,600 jobs at, at Ludwigshafen, which is where their two ammonia plants are. Now let's go back in history. In the 1800s, we were using guano, bird guano from around the world to, fertilize 
farms and farms were getting much more you know abundant with this nitrogenous fertilizers from the bird guano in fact bat guano and bird guano in fact there was a i've forgotten the name of the law but the united states passed a law in the 1800s that if any american found like an island that was you know had bird guano the entire u.s navy and, and um, army would defend that island because that 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 was very important for your national security because the country with the best food supplies that's a that's like having a good navy you know what i mean that's really important uh, and every so army marches security. on its belly right <clears throat> that's right and it's harder to cut you off and these sorts of so anyway we were getting ahead and, and germany was getting elbowed out in germany you know they're always got great scientists and uh and so a chemist named fritz haber he, in 1905, wrote a book on thermodynamics in which he described being able to take the natural gas, take the hydrogen off the natural gas, strip the hydrogen off, and combine it with this nitrogen that we're breathing now and make ammonia, right? So in 1905, he wrote a book on therm thermodynamics saying you can strip off this hydrogen, combine it with the nitrogen we're breathing, and make ammonia. Now, it's hard to do. And in 1908, he had his eureka moment, and he made a tiny amount. And but it was difficult, but he did it. And so in 1913, another German chemist named Karl Bosch, he was hired at BASF, Ludwigshafen, to make this an industrial scale, right? So he took this Fritz Haber's process, they call it the Haber process, and Bosch made it industrial. So they started in 1913. By 1915, BASF at Ludwigshafen was making industrial scale nitrogen fertilizers urea, ammonium sulfate, minimum nitrate, and explosives galore, World War I, right? Because you can make explosives out of the same process, right? So it's called the Haber-Bosch process. Haber came up with the idea. Bosch took an industrial, Haber-Bosch. It's one of the most important chemical processes in all of humanity, right? So if you look at the population of the world from 1915 on, you'll see it, going, right? Now, it's not only because of nitrogenous fertilizers, but that is one of the big reasons. It's also because of other things like better water and, you know, pesticides and blah, 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 right? There's a lot of things that, that a lot of technologies came together, right? But that was one. And this nitrogenous fertilizer is really important. And that's why I've been warning about the natural gas pipelines and that sort of thing. And I went to BASF last year and actually uh, Masako Ganaha, the Japanese journalist was with me and she was making video. When I asked one of the men at the plant, I said, what happens if Nord Stream gets cut, right? I was very specific. Nord Stream was still wide open. There was no indication it would be cut, but I'm like, chances of Nord Stream being cut are flip the coin. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a pretty high chance. Yeah. Um, I don't know who will do it, but it would probably be the United States or somebody in our corner anyway, right? Mm. Certainly not Germany uh, no. because the, 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 yeah, the pipeline is owned. It, it, is, it was... Um, was invested the investors were germany and 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 russia right they built it right with their money and their labors because it connected and and you can see president trump when he was president warning the germans and they're laughing at him you seen that video before yeah he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. when he know, tells them that they're uh, dependent on russia and they need to get their act together yeah for those of us who are tracking we were like I wouldn't be laughing at him. I mean, that's like, you see that movie, what was it, Full Metal Jacket or whatever, and the drill sergeant's like, pile, put your throat into my hand. You know what I mean? And he's like choking him. Ah. I'm yeah. like, well, that's exactly what Germany did to Russia's hand. You know, he's like, yeah. 
And Germany's like, ah, you know, but anyway, but that doesn't mean we should have blown it up. You know what I mean? no. uh, but, uh, especially when we're going into what appears to be conditions for global famine, which I believe we're going to go into. Right. And I've been warning about that since early 2020, that condition, it's all about conditions. It's not about sparks. Right. And, and you can see cutting off the, whether the food supply from Ukraine or greatly reducing it, cutting off nitrogenous fertilizer production to much lower levels, uh, uh, higher energy costs. When you raise energy costs, you raise costs of absolutely everything, right? And um, we saw a, a metal company in Saxony, Germany, which is old East Germany, uh, that just just it's been apparently in business for 600 years just went bankrupt it was just i just saw it in the german news yesterday yeah it's just so after 600 years according to a german news report yesterday this metal company in saxony is now bankrupt it survived the nazis and the communists and genghis khan i don't know who else came through i have no idea you know till the hun you know it was probably making his spears and something you know what i mean you know they were probably using that metal to fight the romans or something you know so i mean the um um maybe the romans were using i have no idea but the the point is it was it was there for a while it was somebody you know and uh but the now it's gone bankrupt and so you can see the deindustrialization of Europe is happening. Now, keep in mind, the WEF has been crystal clear that they want to diminish the population of the world to 500 million. It's not, this isn't conspiracy theory. So that would be like 15 out of 16 people, sayonara. So yeah. what what are these jabs done with fertility? I don't know. It's questionable at this point. Something doesn't feel right, does it? I <laughs> don't think it's questionable, but some people yeah. will, uh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 you know, as somebody who studies information war, I saw that coming a mile away and I was just like, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, you can see all the signs and symptoms are there that this is an information campaign, like compelled speech or censoring people or, uh, you know, uh, seizing people's bank accounts who said things they didn't like. It's like red flags. It was like every day they shot another red star cluster under the sky. You know what I mean? Like, Every yeah. night there goes in another emergency flare. And yet people are like, you're just a conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, well, at some point, just go ahead and take your jab. And I'm sizing up your house because I'll probably end up living in it when you're not. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but by all means, go jab up. It's nice Tesla. You know, it's like, it's like you know, I mean, I don't want the at Tesla. Some point, <laughs> you know, at some point as a war correspondent, you know, who spent years in combat and watched a lot of things happen at some point, I'm going to just tell them. There is a silver lining around every mushroom cloud. And if you want to go jab up, these are big boy rules. We're all men here. If you want to be a fool, go be a fool. Right. And, and that's, and that's, uh, you know, it's not my responsibility other than to warn you, I have done it right. That's it. It's interesting that you take such a, a hard line stance on it. I believe in freedom and freedom is I've given you the information. I've given you the information that there's a tiger in that jungle. Because it's got, there's a trail of bones out there. Don't go into the jungle. I remember one time in India, I was in a, in Hardwar, I was near Hardwar at a place called Laxmanjula. And there was a 23 year old Israeli. He wanted to cross the Ganges River there by the suspension bridge. And I told him, don't do it. His name was Ori Yelenik. It was 23. And I said, don't do it. And, you know, look at the river, man. It's loud. Right. There's like whirlpools under the bridge, you know, and, and it's like, it's like, great water. Idea. 
It's not even white water. It's like gray water. There's like trees going down. I said, don't do it. Anyway, he died. He's gone, right? And I helped look for his body. We never found him. He's gone. And you know, at the end of the day, he's a man. He's 23, you know? And people say, oh, they're just a kid or whatever. When I was 19 years old, I was a Green Beret, right? Uh, he's not a child. You're a man. I feel bad for your family and that sort of thing. But you're a man. You were warned. And you did it. We will move on without you. Bottom line. So this is the way we're playing now with these death jabs and everything else. You've been warned, right? That's all I can do. I, I'm not here to take your, if I were, if I were the dictator of the world, I would still let Ori cross that river. I wouldn't send the police to take him. I'd say, Hey, start your cameras. Ori, you've been warned. You know what I mean? I want to get a video of me warning you. So, <laughs> so but you're free to do it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And it's, I said this to you the other day on the phone. Uh, this is why of the places that I'd move to if I was allowed into the US as a result of my um, lack of a shot passport. Um, Florida would be the place that I'd want to go to because it's the place that I see in the US with the most freedoms or at least respecting the individual's rights. And it's what I was saying of the fact that actually we live in a fake democracy in in europe and in the uk it's it's not a proper democracy but there's a big difference between a democracy and a constitutional republic like you have in the us in a democracy the rights of the minority can be in, infringed upon whereas in a constitutional republic those rights are protected as a result of the constitution regardless of who's in power um but what can those people do now in order to at least attempt to protect themselves. We, we haven't even touched on the migrant crisis. We, we haven't touched on that human osmotic pressure that you've spoken about uh, before. But what can Joe Bloggs down the road do to at least try to protect themselves? You've already mentioned the energy prices. You already mentioned the food situation and things like that. So how can people look forward and at least try to better the situation for themselves? Well, first of all, it's really important that you actually be a prepper at this point. And I know preppers have been um, demonized, uh, made fun of, uh, made to look like the Alabama of the world. Like, uh, Yeah, exactly. And at this point, seriously, if people try to demonize preppers, I, I think that they're highly unintelligent. I really don't think much of them at this point uh, because I, I don't have time for that again. I'm a war correspondent. I spent years in wars. It's a man's world out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm going to warn you, don't do that. I might even warn you twice or three times. And at some point, I'm just going to roll the camera and watch you get blown up. You know what? And I, I, it's a free world. And if you're not prepared and you don't have food, and I warned you for three years, and you come and try to steal my food, I am prepared for that as well. Right. And so and, and as are many people. Right. Now, if you've tried to prepare and you didn't have the assets to do it, that's a different story. I mean, we're, you've tried as much as you can and, 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 and we're going to try to help you through. You know what I mean? Hmm. For sure. 100 percent, because your heart's in the right place. You're trying. You're going to be a, a this one lady. I have a friend down in Texas and he's a ret retired military guy. Right. And he goes to church and he's like, he said, he told me he's making a spreadsheet of all the skills of everybody in his church because he's pulling them together. Right. And, and he said this one older lady and she's her, she's a widow and uh, she lives alone and she was afraid. She's like, ah, you know, I, I don't have the money. Uh, I, I don't have any skills that are useful. And he's like, hold on, hold on. Your, your heart's in the right place. 
you raised grandchildren. You know how to run a restaurant, a daycare center, a psychologist office. You raised children. You know, you know what I'm saying? A psychologist office because you ran a family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I mean. You know what I mean? I mean, how are you going to raise a family without being a psychologist? You know what I mean? You know, you got to be a diplomat and authoritarian sometimes. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. But uh, but he's like, you know how to do stuff. But let's go through, like, what do you know how to do? And she's like, well, you know, I know how to can food. You know, I'm from the old days. He's like, can food. That's what we need. So the young people don't know how to do that. And that's an important skill. So he said, you've got a job. You're, you're the like uh, commander of canning operations or something like that. I forgot what he told me. It was something like, I need to call him up and ask him again. And, and he was like, you know, you're like going to be in charge of canning operations. So this is what you need to do. Make a list of all the things that you need, the type of jars you need, the types of lids, the type of cookers, pressure cookers, the seals, and, and you need vinegar, salt. Just tell me what you need. Make a big list of it and be... And don't, don't hold back. You just make the list. Don't you worry about the money and you, I will make that appear. (laughs) And then you are not to be the canner other than to be showing the children how to do it Hmm. and to show others how, so that everybody you're, you're now a teacher. So you are very useful. You're very helpful. And plus your heart's in the right place. You want to help. So if you want to help, we'll find you a job. You know what I mean? There's no problem about that. You don't have to be rich. You just have to be uh, somebody that adds to the team and it doesn't matter what your age is, whatever. Come on, let's go. So your and, recommendation uh, would be wrong. is to, to form a community that could survive if shit hits the fan. 100%. I mean, it's a very important, and I don't care if you're Rambo, you're not going to do well alone. Right. Um, I mean, there's some people that can live well alone out in the forest forever, but it's not much of the kind of life I like people too much. You know what I mean? And so, um, so one of the things I found, for instance, about famines is the people, um, there are people that get through the famines with no problem. For instance, a famine in Japan in 1833, there was a guy named, um, Kinjiro and there's, there's actually, um, uh, he might be the screen saver on my phone here. That's it's it rotates but he's a he's a he's a there's there's statues of this guy kenjiro in in japanese schools all over japan right and because he was an autodidact his parents died when he was young so he used to read constantly and he worked on the farm and and his, his uncle wouldn't let him read because the oil was too expensive so he found some way to make oil himself and he, so he would read at night when he wasn't working and he taught himself a lot of stuff and so and 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 then um well he became famous because of he 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 sort of changed agriculture in Japan, to put it mildly. And and for instance, uh, in 1833, a famine was coming, and and Kenjiro was like, "Hey, the leaves are falling off the trees in June. Why are they doing that? You know, it's like it's autumn. And why do the eggplants taste like fall uh, eggplants instead of summer eggplants? They taste better in the fall." He said, "Right." He said, "We might not have a summer this year." And um, and he started warning people to to grow millet and to grow less rice and to grow other things that are more hardy against the cold. And there really was a famine, and a huge amount of people died. It was 1833, right? But none of the people in his area died because they were all prepared. They grew the right stuff. They supplied. They stored more. He was persuasive. I mean, he had some problems persuading everybody, but he, you know, finally got the critical mass going, and he saved his community. That and other things he became famous for. At other times when there was food crisis, they would 
they started calling him in like, Kinjiro, what's going on here? You know, hmm. he'd be like, okay, do this, do this, do that. First of all, you have to listen to me. You know, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, 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 and if I'm wrong, what's the big deal? It's like, you've got some you supplies. Just, yeah. You've got some extra millet and you didn't get as much rice as you wanted. But first of all, don't make sake out of your rice. This isn't the time we're going to be drinking. In sake, you know, we're going to save everything. You know what I mean? And it, like an, another famine, I think it was 1833, uh, um, uh, no, 1783, I think 1783, I think it was 1783. It was the uh, Tenmei famine in Japan. There was another uh, Japanese guy. He noticed that things were like not right. He said, like, some, there's always people that notice. There's always a few people that are a little head. There's always these Alex Joneses running around crazy. They're like, Hmm. he's a little crazy but he ain't a little wrong he's a little bit right a little bit too right he's right you know? a lot of the time people talk about a bloke, broken clock is right twice a day that, that fella's been right about 12 times a day or 24 times a day yeah. his yeah. batting average is really high i mean he oh gets a few ridiculous. things wrong and they hang that around his neck but his batting average is quite high you, you would you would definitely put him in to try to hit the home run you know what i mean yeah. it's like oh alex struck out so they're like well you know 19 uh 1999 or, or you know, whatever <laughs> about the, the yeah. school shoot. he gets something wrong and people go crazy about it and i'm like you look at the things and he i was in his i was in a studio about i don't know two five weeks, weeks ago. ago or something yeah. was it two weeks ago oh, it was, was that... two three weeks ago because no. it was right before Wait, you were going to be coming over oh, here you're right it was three well, weeks the reason ago, why it? I emailed yeah yeah i can't keep it straight so and um and I, I actually i like him a lot more in person it's the same with uh, with um same with um uh with um jordan peterson by the way i was just on his show again today yeah. it just aired maybe five hours six hours ago and so uh, when i was with jordan i spent three days with him here in netherlands i actually liked him a lot on tv <laughs> he's still aloof and distant and stuff but when you're with him like with, with alex he's very likable you know what i mean yeah and he um seems and, like uh, a sound fella all right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I, I was like Alex. I, yeah, I started telling him about hunting cannibals, and then you know that song he did about you know I'm gonna eat my neighbor. Yes, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. Everybody yeah. kept sitting there because the people that know I hunted cannibals, I was just taking a break from the action, you know. And I was like, you know, I, I was in India and I came across these cannibals, and um, and I was like, what cannibals? <laughs> and uh, still, and uh, I started hunting them down. Unfortunately, was like one from Texas. Oh, there was one from there was one from Houston that had joined the cult. Jeez. His name was Gary Stevenson. He was born in um, uh, December third, nineteen fifty, in Houston. Gary Stevenson, Gary Rayburn Stevenson, for those who have access to databases, and uh, <laughs> that was him. And you know, so uh, you know, people have often asked me, you know, why'd you go hunt cannibals? I'm like, well, I needed a break, and I'm telling you what, it was the funnest thing I ever did. I mean. I, I wouldn't recommend cannibal hunting uh, because it, it is it could go wrong really quickly. <laughs> I mean, they could get rid of the evidence. They are smart. I'm just saying, if they find you, they know you're doing it. They oh, can man. get rid of the evidence oh, pretty man. quick. One night I was out on the um, Gangama, the Ganges River, right? And they call it Mother Ganges, so Gangama, right? So, and it was a full moon. And I was out with some of these guys alone with them, right? And they're drinking out of human skulls. They always drink from their left hand. And they use these three fingers, right? So they'll like they'll like put the cup like 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 well not a cup it'll be a skull right so they do it like this in their left hand interesting and and they drink like this out of the skull and uh and they're drinking whiskey out of their skulls and stuff and they are drunk out of their skulls and uh and it was getting about midnight when the moon was right overhead and they their body language changed i was like acted like i had to go to the you know take a leak i just walked away from the fire because they were we 
we were just by the Ganges River. Like there was just just me and these guys yeah. drinking out yeah. of skulls. And I went, <laughs> I yeah, ran out of there as fast as I could, man. <laughs> I got, I ran into the dark, you know. Yeah, I'll dodge while you can. Uh, I had weapons hidden back away, which I always do, but you know, but uh, I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> but, uh, but but I didn't, and I just kept running, and uh, I got out of there. I get back to my guest house. I'm like. Yeah. I didn't feel right. No. <laughs> Let's make Probably. note to self. Don't go out with cannibals at midnight on the Ganges River on a full moon. Doesn't sound <laughs> not, like nothing a great end nothing to the happened. Story. It no. it just it just felt off. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I listen I listened to that voice so closely. If that little voice is like, I need your attention, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you've got my full attention. You're yeah. about to get killed. Bye. <laughs> yeah. hey, it's kept you going for the last X amount of years, going to combat zones and everything. So I think it's a pretty good voice. But look, I know I've taken up a butt ton of your time. Um, I'm really, really grateful. Um, I apologize if I've made you late for anything else, as I know nah, you've got a lot going on. But uh, I wanted to say thank you. What would be um, sort of the top three things that you'd say to people to get their shit in order? given everything that's going on? Uh, everybody's um, situation is different. Even if you live in the same town or whatever, your situation is different. Whether Because there's so many things that go into your situation, like your different skills, right? Um, are you a fisherman or are you or whatever? You know, uh, you might have a lot of money. You might have no money, but you know how to do other stuff. Like that lady, she doesn't have a lot of money and she doesn't have a lot of she didn't think she had a lot of skills because she didn't hook up with the right team until she found my friend. And he's like, we need you. You're in charge of this. Right. And and now she's happy and, you know, and they're, she's teaching them already and there's not even anything going on yet. Well, there is, but not survival yet. Right. And um, so figure out what, what is your situation? Cause everybody's different. If you live in Manhattan, it's different than leaving, living in Key West or Nome, Alaska. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so start to look at your weaknesses and your strengths because everybody has strengths and everybody has weaknesses and it's not just you. It's also your, um, your connections, your human networks, right. And your, your, uh, your knowledge of your, you know, where, where can you go to? Should you stay where you're at? You know, should you move somewhere else? Uh, do you, you, where do you get your water from is always the first question you should always ask yourself. Everybody should know where their actual water. Let me show you something. I, I don't advertise for this company, by the way. I don't have any contacts with them. <laughs> uh, but um, so I don't make any money on this at all. I'm not sending any link or anything like that. But this is what I use. And you can see how old it is too, man. This thing, Jeez, I've used this thing, thing in India, used. all over India. I've used this thing in, uh, in wars and just dozens of countries. It's just a catadine water filter. You can get them on Amazon. Holy this thing is worn out, man. Um, but, um, but it still works. So this is, this is, this is a, you know, this is the filter. You can see it's getting like an hourglass because it's getting old. Yeah. But yeah, it's dry right now. But anyway, it's a great water filter. I've used that thing. I've never had any waterborne illness to my problem. So if I'm out here and I have some problem because, you know, all the power goes out or whatever. Which one is it? Fresh water. Out of interest. It's a cat, uh, catadine. Catadine. It's not written very well on it, is it? It's a catadine. Okay, nice. K-A-T-A-D-Y-N. It's a Swiss thing, catadine, right? Yeah. And it's just like, like this, right? And that's how it works. Oops, I didn't screw it in yet. Good. But anyway, I was just showing you how to filter in there. And uh, it's it's really nice. I mean, um, and, and this is how you clean it. You just take 
unscrew it and, and you take your little Brillo pad and you clean it off and let it dry and put it back in. Oh, there you go. Look how look how much I've used that thing, man. It's like it's an wow. hourglass. Well, you can't see it very well, but I get a little bit of an so, idea I mean, at least. That's that's my emergency. Of course, you're not going to use that home. I mean, that'd be a pain in the butt to keep. You know, Jezebel, pump the thing again. <laughs> you're going to be worn out. You know. Hey, that's why I'm having fun. kids so they could do it for me. <laughs> Spare All parts right. and slave labor. <laughs> Y'all can fight over who does the water, but it better be done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, prep, get yourself that, that, some water. That, yeah. Yeah. Any other tips? Plenty. And then uh, I'll let you crack on for the oh, night. You know, prepping is such a huge uh, thing. But I shouldn't say that because that puts people off and then they won't do any prepping at all. I don't mean it's a it, – what I'm saying is it's a huge – It's important. It's, yeah, it's not very a huge important. thing to do, but it's an yeah. important thing to do. Like yeah, huge just, is an important. Just, yeah, and you need to get on it. Like yeah. if you're not, and 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 stop making fun of prepper people if you are, because you know people are going to be making fun of you and they're going to be eating you, as Alex Jones would say, especially if you're a liberal. <laughs> I love yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told him I was like Alex. I was like Alex. I have hunted cannibals, and now I've hunted you down to your studio. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he's like, that was parody. And I'm like, okay, whatever, Alex. And it's like, you know, I think about it. After, after two weeks of no food, it won't be parody for you. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Funnily enough, I, I know you spoke about that. You you done um, a, a long fast uh, previously just to make sure that you could get through it, right? I did 28 days with no yeah. food, zero yeah. food. I don't mean a liquid diet or any of that bullshit. That's not a fast. I mean. Right. Water. Water. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I don't drink alcohol. I don't drink. I don't, I don't. I drink no alcohol. I don't do any drugs or anything else. Um, and uh, I just drink water and sometimes too much coffee. <laughs> but I, but when I was fasting, I did take. And I love green tea and stuff. You know, yeah. I, I, I love the teas and stuff. But but I, you know, I you know what? You don't need all those. You know, I, I did a lot of combat, but I don't have PTSD, and I'm not like crazy and crying like. And and I think one one of the reasons is is there's this expectation that if you do a, you know any combat, you went to a war, you know, so you're, you're supposed to be an alcoholic now. You know, so it's like mm. there's this expectation that oh, since you've done that, you're supposed to be a druggie now and live on the street or something. You know what I mean? It's like yep. that's bullshit. You need to reframe the expectation. It's like no, you did that. You've fought for your country. Now you need to come back and continue with your leadership. You know what I mean? And, and use it in your community and in your family. And, and, you know, and I don't want to hear about any of this cry baby shit. You were in combat, blah, blah, blah. I don't give, I don't give a crap. I mm. was too. I did a tremendous amount of firefights, a tremendous amount, right? Like very close firefights guys killed all around me many times. You can see a lot of my videos and stuff. And guess what? I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs and you don't need to. And I'm fine. And, you know, and I sleep well at night, you know, I sleep like a baby unless I drink too much coffee and then it's a problem. That's a different story, <laughs> but I'll let you uh, crack on with that then. Michael, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And, so when you're uh, getting ready for prepping, you don't have to fill up the basement with alcohol unless you want to do it for trading or something. Like as, as grain yeah. will probably be a decent form of currency, but uh, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you very much.